Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, we are broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. If you've got a problem with your big bank, if you're tired of the big bank experience, and you know what I mean when I say that, uh, if you want a bank that's big enough to handle all your needs, though, but small enough to do it in a personal way, go to renaissancebank.com and find their local office and give them a call and make an appointment. And I think you'll be glad you did. I think you'll find all that. Uh, I know I have found that with uh, me and my clients. Uh, So check them out. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Bruce LaFetra. And Bruce is with Eastwood Strategy Advisors. Bruce, welcome. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. So let's talk about you and how you're serving folks through Eastwood Strategy Advisors. Well, the real short version is that I work with the leaders of law, finance, and professional services firms who can't scale or can't exit due to dependence on a single rainmaker. Their business becomes a more valuable asset when more people are closing business, doing it faster, and charging more. The secret isn't more skills or more selling. It's positioning their firm to think like their best clients. And that's why clients call me the client whisperer. Okay. Well, let's dig into that. Uh how did you get that term? How did you get that name, the Client Whisperer? So the Client Whisperer nickname actually came from a, uh, a client of mine. They actually are really good about talking to their clients, and they'd had lots of conversations. But when I went and interviewed their, their best clients, it became clear to them that they were thinking everything through the lens of an attorney and that what their clients were saying wasn't what they actually – what they were hearing wasn't what the client was actually meaning. And from that standpoint, they started to think like their best clients. And they said, you know what you are? You're the client whisperer. And it stuck. I love that. You know, it's great when somebody else gives you the term, right? As opposed to you coming up with that yourself. So congratulations on that. That's a sign of success right there. Well, thank you. I actually resisted it for a while and they kept hammering on me. And then other people (laughs) said, that's great. So I, uh, I, I, I can learn too. I love it. I love it. So, um, Bruce, I'm, this may seem like an obvious question, but I find obvious questions somehow, sometimes have surprising answers. So uh, if I'm attorney, an attorney, let's pick on attorneys for just a minute. If I'm an attorney, I mean, why wouldn't I look through things as the, uh, through the lens of an attorney? I'm an attorney for crying out loud. I mean, what, what's my problem here? Why, why do you say that's a problem? So it's, it's, it's an opportunity. It's, it's not really pro- how you do your work is different than what people buy. So from an attorney standpoint, think of it like engineer, they're trying to have a process that is repeatable and that they can you know, avoid surprises and mistakes. That's how they do their work. That's how they deliver for clients. But what clients are actually buying is the result of that process. So if they can talk about what the result of the process is, that's what the that's what will connect with the client. Then how they deliver is using the process. I call that task based value versus impact based value. Pick on attorneys, you know the the contract. We're great at drafting contracts. We have all this experience. Client doesn't care about that. They care about what they can do with the contract. 
the business deal they can enter into, the sales they can collect cash from faster and better. That's what matters. You start thinking that way and suddenly it's an entirely different conversation that resonates really well with the client. And I suppose what where you would extend that analogy is if you're all you're to- doing is talking about contracts then suddenly you get compared to um Google and Google, <laughs> the law firm Google and Google, which can spit out a contract with no problem, right? Well, so think about it. Uh, yeah, if that's exactly right. But think about it a little bit beyond that. So I had one client law firm that that they helped a one of their clients uh, with a, a new sales contract. And yes, they bring lots of experience to that. But you know what the the end client talks about? They don't talk about the new contract. They talk about that they because they collect from their customers faster and with greater certainty because of it. So it's a long, it's a SaaS uh, software. So it's a long uh, process. Mm-hmm. They've been able to generate $350,000 of working capital at no cost. That's what they talk about. Oh, wow. So now if the, the law firm starts talking about this is what our client gets, it resonates as opposed to we have this contract with all these processes. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. And suddenly you're not viewed necessarily as a commodity, right? I mean, you, you absolutely not. Right. Right. Um, so let's talk about the whole concept of interviewing our own clients. I mean, how does that work? How do, why can't practitioners do it themselves? Uh, and what makes, uh, what's your secret sauce in interviewing clients? Sure. It's a couple of things. One is you should always talk to your clients. You can and you should, but you need to recognize the limitations of talking to your clients yourself. Uh, The first one is confirmation bias. You can, you know, when you talk to people, you can come up with whatever you want by leading the conversation just because that's what's embedded in your head. Um, And so that's a big part of what I do is avoid confirmation bias. Uh, Second is mirror. I call it mirroring. When you talk to people that really like you and want to support your business, they're going to naturally repeat back what they think you want to hear. So you think, oh, man, we are really on track, but you haven't really learned anything. And then the, um, the third piece is that it's hard to overcome the assumption from their assumption that you're actually there to sell something, that that's your primary motivation. So my interviews, when I talk to someone's best clients, really take on an entirely different tone. Um, they expect the person being interviewed expects me to talk about how does their business fit into my client's business? The classic, you know, um, the buyer fits into the vendor's business. My conversation is 180 degrees from that. It's all about how does my client, the vendor, fit into their business? And that's a conversation they simply don't have very often, but it's really refreshing and it puts perspective on it. And then they start to just talk. And that's wonderful. And I suppose when you're hitting someone from an unexpected perspective, yeah, there's more truth telling. It's not, yeah, it's not because they're unexpected. It causes them to think. And mm. so what I end up is, and, and I have fairly long interviews of um, you know 45 minutes or so with senior people. This is the CEO or the CFO or whatnot. They would never take the time with a strange consultant, except that they had the strong relationship with, with my client who says, please you know, talk to Bruce. It's really important. But what happens is that, you know, they start with the stock answers and then I keep going at it and then they go, oh yeah, okay. There's this thing that John does that I never really thought about, but now that you got me thinking about it, it's really important. Mm. That's the goal. Got it. 
Got it. And that's where the value is hidden sometimes. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I say it's kind of hidden in plain sight, but it's, you've got to dig a little bit for it because people, once again, they're always used to having people talk about their business in the context of someone else's business, as opposed to the other way around. Got it. Uh, folks, we're talking with Bruce LaFetra. Bruce is uh, the client whisperer. The clients gave him that name. I didn't. And he didn't either. <laughs> That's what makes it so effective. Um, and his, his company is Eastwood Strategy Advisors. So, Bruce, um, why can't I hire my trusty marketing consultant to do this work? Um, why, why hire you versus hire them? So um, ultimately, you need to, I don't do the implementation, so we need to get them to implement. But in terms of from a strategic standpoint, the, the issue is really what are they trying to um, uh, accomplish? And I'll, I'll uh, give you a quick example from a client of mine. They uh, worked with a marketing agency and the marketing agency came in and said, what do you want? And they said, we need a new website. We need some content to back it up. And people say our brand is a little, you know, a little stale. Mm. Um, a year later, they hadn't accomplished their goals. They were still where they were. And when I met them, the first thing I asked is, what do you want to accomplish? And the managing partner says, I am scheduled to retire in six years and there's nobody to backfill me. And that's creating a real problem. And we've done a lot. We've spent a lot of money on marketing and sales training and things like that. And we've not made progress. We need to solve that problem. And so that's where I started. And it turns out they'd been branded as experts because that's what they thought they were. And in fact, they are experts, but that's not what the clients are buying. Go back to our early product of conversation. Mm -hmm. What the clients were buying was a, a path through the complexity. So it's really important that the law firm know the complexities and be able to navigate through it. But to assault the client with all the complexity and make you seem really smart isn't what makes the client furthers the client's business goals. And so that's what they'd kind of actually done for many years and been successful until they got, I call it polluted in terms of thinking in terms of it's just about marketing. It's no, it's how you deal and how you relate to your clients. And then that should flow through everything you do. Well, if you don't mind, let's carry that story on through because uh, what you're saying makes sense. But so how did what your uh, work uh, accomplished for that client? How did it address that succession issue? Sure. Um, very, very well in the short version, but, but to, to back that up. So they ended up redoing, they ended up with another new website mm -hmm. um, and some, and some new branding that worked really well. And so three years later, their business was up five X. They had gone from one rainmaker to five rainmakers and better than that, because they focus now only on their best clients, they refer everything else out. Mm -hmm. Their revenue is up. Their profits are up even more. They, um, they have an easier, more fun because they deal with only their best clients. They have no clients that are ordinary or pains. Everyone wants to be there. They, they are happy to, to pay their very high rates. They actually charge more now because they can focus on this high-end part of the marketplace. And actually, the funny part is that the managing partner put off his retirement a couple of years because he said, I've never had so much fun in my whole life. We are just doing like the best things ever. The firm is easier to manage. Uh, we got better clients. We're making more money. Uh, he goes, yeah, I want to retire, but I'm going to you know, ride this just a little bit longer. 
Well, uh, you gave some someone some something that's priceless there, right? I like to think so. Yeah, I love it. So uh, this sounds like an uh, quite a journey, uh, quite a great journey for your clients. But what are the biggest maybe mistakes or challenges that you see with your clients as they take this journey with you to think like their best clients? It's, it's frankly getting over that initial hump of thinking like your best clients. Um, almost universally, my clients say, yeah, it kind of made sense. So we, and you came with good recommendations, but when we started getting in, it's kind of counterintuitive. You know, we're very logical thinkers and, and we've been doing this for a long time. We've been successful. I mean, I work with very successful firms as opposed to broken firms, but once it hit and it, this is where the interviews are so valuable because it's their best clients, people they've known maybe for decades in some cases, but certainly many years, people they know appreciate them when they suddenly say, oh, you know, we've worked together for so many years and you know how valuable we are. You just put words to, I've never been able to explain to other people why you are so great. Mm. And you just put words to it. That's at that point, they say, oh man, it's just so, so natural. It's, it's one, one client, you know, talks about as being part of the firm DNA now. And that's, so that's a little bit of a, it's, it varies for different clients, but that's, it's not the way anyone talks to them about marketing or business development or sales. It's, it really takes how they deliver for their clients and rolls it out to people that have not yet become clients. So it becomes easier for people that, you know, let's face it, professionals don't like selling. Um, you know, they call it business, you know, generating business or business development or other euphemisms. You know, it really is. It's it's selling, but it doesn't have to be salesy. Uh, it, and to be able to get over that, that they they can learn something from their clients. And it's all positive. That's the other thing that makes it possible is that it's an entirely positive process. I'm only talking to their best clients. For good firms, doing more of what really, really works will get you further than trying to fix the handful of things that aren't perfect. Right. Right. And I'm curious about the, the, um, just the idea of best clients again, maybe too obvious a question, but do you find that sometimes in your work with clients that you come up with a different criteria for their best clients than they do? Uh, well, actually, um, so let's let's talk about ideal clients versus best clients. I never talk about ideal clients because that's a classic marketing thing, ideal clients. Well, those are hypothetical. And a lot of times it's if, if we had all these perfect things, that would be our ideal client. Well, maybe that doesn't even exist in the world. A best client I describe as someone they would clone if they could. Mm. So those are people that actually exist. We know they've got names, John and Bruce and Mary and Robert. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are, it's far more actionable to talk about best clients. And yes, you could do a lot of math in terms of who's the lifetime value and who's more profitable and all those sorts of things. My contention is, is that probably 99% overlap between doing the math and just asking who would you clone intuitively good professionals know where their time is well spent. They may not be able to articulate it well, but you ask that simple question. It's, it's almost complete overlap. And now you don't have to people argue, different partners arguing about what the right assumptions are. It's like, yeah, we would love to have more Johns. Mm. We can all agree on that. And so let's go figure out what that is. Um, in terms of sometimes it comes out with some weird um, 
weird segmentation. So classic segmentation, I'll talk about a uh, high-end construction firm. I worked with uh, uh, biotech labs, clean rooms, healthcare clinics, and private schools. Well, you know, which one of these does not belong with the others? Well, it turns out for them, those are all Mm cross-referenceable. And the reason being is that their clients are not buying a building. Their clients are buying a revenue-producing asset. So typical construction delays are very costly. And most of the time, well, that's just the way it is. Or if you've got you know something for a, for rental or lease or something, it doesn't matter. But for a biotech company whose goal is to cure cancer, your five-week delay, typical five-week delay has put them five weeks behind their goal to cure cancer. It means something very different. So think about that in terms of high-end private schools where you have, you know, very, you know, um, well-to-do parents, if that gymnasium or cafeteria or science lab is not done and done perfectly the first day of school, that's a, that's a disaster. Mm. And to tell just a little story on this, I had a, a that they had a client who was, or a, pr- a prospect, it was a biotech company and they wanted to talk to a, a reference. And so these guys said, well, you want to talk to the, the head of this, this school, this private school. And the prospect just about threw him out. It's like, clearly, don't you guys, have you never done a biotech company? It's like, yeah, no, no, we've done lots of them. But you want to talk to this guy. It's like, clearly, you guys are like out to lunch. And they just pleaded with him. And he ended up calling the school. And he came back and his eyes were just wide from a standpoint of, oh, my God, you guys so understand me. I thought you were completely out to lunch, never done anything like this. You matched me up with someone who totally understands what it is that's valuable to me. And so for them, that's cross-referenceable. For any of their competitors, not a chance. Mm. So, Bruce, you've got a concept called the virtuous cycle of marketing. Talk about what that is and how you help clients get into that. Sure. So basically, a virtuous cycle is something that gets easier the more, the more you do it. And so a virtuous cycle of marketing or business development is something that the more you do, the the easier it is and the better it gets. So increasing returns to scale. And the whole concept of thinking like your best clients is exactly that. You start off thinking, wow, we know everything about our clients. Then you start to say, wow, they like look at it a little bit differently than we do. Start to talk that way, start to think that way. And the response is, is great. Now you start to say, oh, yeah, okay, now I understand my best clients. I can go after more best clients as opposed to just people we could help, we could serve. That makes, makes actually the sales cycle usually gets shorter. Even though the projects may be more complex, the, the earnings, the revenue, and the profit usually goes up. They're more fun. And so the more you do this, the easier it gets. And so eventually you get to the point where it's not all that far down the line, where a lot of my clients say, okay, we're going to work with only best clients. That was inconceivable earlier because we thought we would like cut our market by like half or more. And now we realize, oh, if we know what we're looking for, we can, we can work with just those. We'll refer everyone else out. Maybe some people will send you know, best clients our way because we're sending them best clients. Because there is no such thing as best clients across an industry. It's specific to a firm. Mm. And and I take it that the the outgrowth of all that is that you end up having um, more best clients at better pricing, 
more loyalty, more uh, greater ability to serve because you're the expert on those particular kinds of clients. I, I, I assume that's the outcome of it all. Absolutely. Revenue, you know, profits, uh, ease of ease of use. So even people that uh, a lot of professionals do hourly billing and they say, well, every every client is equally profitable because we build them by the hour. Well, that's not really true. There are clients that are just a pain to deal with that require some you know, unbillable management time, either internally or externally with them. They're the ones that want adjustments in the bill. You know, that's why lawyers talk about collectibles as opposed to you know, we invoice and we collect the same amount. Mm. Um, there's, there's a lot of costs in that. And then a lot of times these, the, the, the poor clients, the, 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 the pain, you know, they leave you just sucking the energy from you. The best clients are the ones that you work with. Maybe it's more complex work, but you walk away saying, oh man, that's not even work. I enjoy that. That gives me energy. Right. So you add all these things up. There's there's absolutely no downside except that you have to be you have to be able to deliver for them. If you can't deliver, which is why I only work with really good firms, um, if you can deliver for these best clients, then why would we want to work for anyone else? I had one um, one firm that the old senior partner um, at, at the end was saying, "Wow, you know, I can't imagine. I, I just don't understand how we ever." we're able to you know, operate without doing this. It's so natural now. I said, well, don't beat yourself up. You were really successful for 28 years before I came into your life. It's just that you reached a level that you didn't think you could. Mm. It wasn't that you didn't think you could reach it. You didn't know it was there. Folks, we're here chatting with Bruce LaFetra. Bruce is uh, the client whisperer. He's, uh, his company is Eastwood Strategy Advisors. So, uh, Bruce, I have to ask you, who are your best clients? So my best clients are, um, are firms that need to scale because they're overly dependent on one person usually. Um, you know, that person generating the business may want to exit. Uh, or they may be trapped by their own success. They hire people to do the work. They, they find it easy to generate the work. But then at some point they wake up and they say, crap, I'm trapped. Because every time I hire a, an additional person to do the work, my life actually gets harder. And that probably wasn't their vision of, of starting a successful firm. Where is the, the being able to use their expertise to be, be able to think strategically about the business even if every time they they hire someone to do business, to do work, their life has to, now they have to keep that funnel full. Um, so when they can start to think about those sorts of issues, now all of a sudden it's, you know, they're getting more people generating business without telling them they have to be salespeople. Mm-hmm. So you can attract people. They're generating that business faster because they're zeroed in on why, who they, who they work with, why they get selected, and what and um, and where where to find them? You know, a lot of my clients do fewer proposals, but win everything they go after because mm. they know that they're typically able to charge more because they're focusing on areas where they've got deep expertise and ability. You and mean, then the the leaders yeah. also they can either exit or if they're growing the firm, they have the ability now to step back and be strategic about growing the firm. Got it. Which is something they they simply don't have the time before and they don't necessarily think about it as being a this this huge gap in their in their ability because all their friends are in the same situation got it and you 
deal with, you mentioned law firms, you mentioned accounting. I mean, you're dealing mostly with, or maybe exclusively with professional services firms, I take it. Not exclusively, but they're the most fun because it's intangible. Mm. So if you think about it on paper, law firms, accounting firms, finance firms of various types, uh, consultants, they look a lot like a lot of other people on paper. And yet, if you go talk to their best clients, they would go nowhere else. Mm. So there's something there. And it often falls under the generic relationship. But what does that mean? You can't reproduce that if it's, we have a great relationship. That's the, that's the, a lot of my clients are intuitive people. And intuitive people are terrible teachers <laughs> because they think it's like all these things we do. Well, let's figure out what it is that actually matters because it's probably a very small subset about what matters. Now we can teach people to do that and they can get the same sorts of results. Um, but SaaS software sometimes falls into that same same category. It's, an intu- it's uh, intangible. Got it. Okay. Um, so let's talk about how a uh, conversation unfolds as we wrap up here. Someone wants to get in touch. They, they call you. I mean, how does a conversation start? How, how does an engagement with you unfold? Um, first, it starts by, by reaching out and, and having a conversation. And they can do that either by connecting with me on LinkedIn or they can, um, uh, they can go to theclientwhisper.com. Uh, and book a, book a short time. It's a totally, you know, uh, no obligation conversation to, to just chat and understand what their, I want to know what their goals are mm-hmm. um, and what their challenges are. And if I can help them really quickly um, with a couple of pointers, I'm happy to do that. I've made a friend who will go tell people that, wow, just think if you could go deeper with Bruce, what he could do. Um, and sometimes it leads to uh, to a deeper conversation and and, and a project. But uh, I'm a big believer in doing well by doing good. So I I will frequently. I, there's nothing proprietary about what I do. I will share everything I do. It's just that it's it's a little harder to to do on your own if you've never done it before because it's a little bit counterintuitive. Not hard, but just a little counterintuitive. Sure, Bruce Lefetra, folks. Uh- He's the client whisperer uh, at Eastwood Strategy Advisors. Bruce, this has been great. I could keep going, but we need to let you get back to the great work you're doing. Uh, so you mentioned a couple of connection points, though, but let's reiterate. For those that would like to be in touch, tell them how they can do that. So either you connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm the only Bruce LaFetra on LinkedIn. Uh, or the easier way probably is theclientwhisperer.com and and book a um, book a short um um, call with me and we can chat and, uh, there's no, no screws or anything like that. I like to learn from every conversation I have and leave something behind. Terrific. Bruce LaFetra folks, uh, the client whisper Eastwood strategy advisors, Bruce, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to talk about this stuff. Thank you. Hey folks, just a quick reminder. If you're in the Johns Creek, Alpharetta, North Fulton area, and you've got an idea for dinner tonight that involves going through a drive-thru, let me give you a better suggestion. AS Culinary Concepts, A&S Culinary Concepts, uh, has, they've got a culinary studio, they do corporate catering, they do Big Green Egg Boot Camps, they do all that, but something you may not know is they do Let Us Cook For You Meals. And they deliver uh, uh, 
to you right out the front door, gourmet meals that you can drop by, pick up, and take home and be a hero. So my suggestion is go to asculinaryconcepts.com, find their menus, and uh, uh, check them out. I think you will uh, be glad that you did. I know my wife is glad that I've been doing that for her. Uh, She's pretty happy about that. Um, Also, you can uh, call Andrew Traub. Uh, my friend over there, 678-336-9196. He's the owner and executive chef and tell him I sent you. And folks, just a quick reminder, North Fulton Business Radio is on all the major podcast apps. You can find us by using that search term. Uh, and we would love it if you would subscribe to the show and share it. If you have found something of value here in this show, I think there's been a lot of value uh, uh, here from Bruce, but from our other guests as well, um, share it. And uh, it helps us help them. And that's what we're about at Business Radio X is holding up great business leaders like Bruce and others that have been on the show um, and celebrating their work. So if you could help us in that regard, we would appreciate it. So for my guest, Bruce LaFetra, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.